Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. Oh, what a week it's been, folks. I have been so busy the last two weeks recording podcasts, uh, getting content prepared for the next couple of weeks, uh, setting up interviews. I'm going to be on the Daily Tech News show on a panel, special panel show about Tesla. So uh, that's on April 9th. So mark that in your calendars and go over and watch Tom and the crew uh, and me and some other people. I, I don't know who's all on the panel talk about Teslas and Tesla ownership, even though I don't own a Tesla, they're letting me on anyway. A couple of quick notes. If you missed last week's show, we're kind of getting into a new format where I am just going to jump right into the show. Uh, We're not going to do the Patreon plug. We'll do that in the middle of the show. And then the things that I like and stuff we'll save for the end of the show. But I do want to say that Chip and I are giving away $200 in Amazon gift cards. And I'm going to say $25 is fine, but I, I'm going to up that to $50. So the the reason why we're giving this away is one is to help people out. If you need a little bit of help, then you can get a $50 gift card from Amazon. And hopefully that will help you out in some way throughout your, your daily life. Another thing is, if you are starting some short sort of project, like you're starting a podcast or you like to draw and paint or whatever. If you're doing something creative and you just need a little extra money to get going, just like that little spark, then send me an email, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com, and I will send you uh, a $50 Amazon gift card. Initially, it was 25 but I, I honestly don't think that that's enough. So $50 Amazon gift card. And it really doesn't matter if you are a Patreon supporter, you can take part in this. If you're a listener, you can take part of this. If you know somebody that could benefit from this, send me an email. I'm not going to ask questions. All right. This week's show, we are back with Jessica Kirsch. Jessica came on and we talked about Tesla taking Bitcoin as a way of as a payment method and then we also talked about the hindenburg lordstown motors uh research paper that came out recently and basically tanked lordstown motors stock but before we get to that we are going to talk about tesla now accepting bitcoin as a form of payment for tesla vehicles jessica kirsch welcome to the show Hi, Bodhi. Thanks for having me back. Pleasure to be here. Today, uh, in our very special afternoon episode, we're going to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, Tesla's accepting Bitcoin now. And then we're going to go over the Lordstown Motors Hindenburg article. Dun, dun, dun. Pretty much. So you, uh, why don't you start us off with the Tesla Bitcoin stuff? Sure. So uh, full disclosure, I do own very small amounts of um par- is it percentages of bitcoin fractional i also own fractional percentages of bitcoin fractional percentages of bitcoin um some i myself have bought some has been donated through youtube and so yeah full disclosure i am excited though to have heard 
Elon tweeted yesterday that Tesla will now be accepting Bitcoin as a form of deposit payment uh, through Tesla.com. So you can reserve a car for $100 in Bitcoin, I guess. Is that how that works? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it brings up a lot. I think it's very exciting because it's it's something that is so new to everybody, in my opinion, um, even people that own Bitcoin and have for you know years and years, the ability to pay with it and it be completely a digital currency, you know, no cash and outside of the banking system and the traditional government um, over over what's it what's the word oversight. Yeah, government oversight. Thank you. And it's it's in the hands of the individual as opposed to uh, the banking, the banks, the banks and the government. And I personally, in terms of Bitcoin in general, I personally feel that as a, I'm a small business owner and um, you have to have credit in order to get credit kind of thing. And it, with banking, um, I've had experience, ex- min- multiple experiences, in multiple banks, you know, where they charge all these fees. It sends me into overdraft and then I get deeper into fees. And uh, there's just really no way to work your way out of that. And so I actually, about a couple of years back, closed all of my banks, my accounts with banks. Beside, and my brokerage account is through Charles Schwab, which is Charles Schwab Bank is my checking account, which is not a physical location, is all online. Charles Schwab brokerage, there are locations, but um, you can also do it all online. And everything, so I, I, and I use PayPal, I use Venmo, I use, you know, Zelle, all of these digital currencies I use already. So I feel like it makes the most sense that Tesla would move towards this global, globally um, recognized form of currency because it takes out all of the different international currencies. So is it US dollars or is it, you know, um, British pounds or is it, or UK pounds? Is it, um, does euro still exist or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is it euro? Is it, you know, all of the different things and creates a universal payment method. But with that, I think it's interesting to think about all of the different implications for how this will affect Tesla in their balance sheet and um, their or their quarterly reporting and, and such as to how they will deal with the um, revenue um, what's the word revenue how they count it as revenue yeah like when at what point will it, because as far as I know, and this is just me speculating and just hearing this yesterday and yeah, I don't, I haven't done much research on it. They, Elon announced that they, that Tesla will keep the Bitcoin received in or on the blockchain in Bitcoin as an asset, as opposed to converting it back to, I'm, Assuming they use U.S. dollars, their main or not, but I would assume the same, right? So Bitcoin is variable, right? And it goes up and it goes down. And so uh, there was a discussion yesterday on Clubhouse that was really fascinating because we were kind of going back and forth as to at what point will they lock in the price of how much you know the Bitcoin is worth towards the vehicle? Will it be? When you place your order, will it be upon delivery? Um, will people pay capital gains taxes on the money? You know what I mean? There's just yeah. all kinds of different things. And I, I think it's very exciting. It is very exciting. It is also um, a little risky, right? Because if you mm-hmm. let's I go back to the example of there was a dude that spent like 20 Bitcoin on a pizza when Bitcoin was worthless, right? And mm-hmm. 
right now, what is it at? Like fifty thousand dollars, something like that. Yeah, like fifty-five or something. We'll see fifty-five. So I'm going to pull up my calculator because I don't have a brain that works. Fifty-five thousand <laughs> times twenty. That's a that's one point one million dollars yeah. for pizza. Mm-hmm. So in the same you know realm, right? Right now, uh, Bitcoin is becoming more mature. There's only so many Bitcoin you can mine. I don't remember what the number is, but after a certain point, you can't mine anymore. It's harder. Like in mm-hmm. the beginning, it was really easy to mine Bitcoin. And now because it's getting harder and harder, it, it takes longer to actually mine the coin. And then for those of you who don't know, you mine it on your computer. It's all virtual. Um, because of this, it creates a shortage, which increases the value. Mm-hmm. So when Tesla announced that they were going to accept Bitcoin, Bitcoin rose by like $10,000 or 10,000 really? dollars. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It was worth 10,000 American dollars more than it was before Tesla announced this yesterday. No, this was like a week or two ago. Okay. Maybe longer than that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I vaguely remember that coming through. I think I was in Texas. Yeah. But then at some point Bitcoin corrected. And it's mm-hmm. correcting not based on something that's happening within one specific company or a government or, like you said, the banks or the Federal Reserve here in the United States. It's correcting based on how many people are holding it and then how many people are, are buying into it. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm sure there's more than that because I, I own some Bitcoin, but I don't – not Bitcoin. I own some fractional shares of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, but – for Tesla, this is awesome, right? Uh, but it could also end up being one of those situations where uh, somebody who has a Bitcoin, which is worth $55,000, will say, they can, they buy a Model 3. Mm-hmm. And then a year, they just spent $110,000 for that Model 3. If they would have held on to the Bitcoin, it would have been worth more. You know, that's our, there's always that risk. Yeah. Because right? even though as stable as Bitcoin is compared to what was in the past, it's still not a fiat currency, which is a currency controlled by a government. It's not that stable mm-hmm. into that. it, You know, you might buy a Model 3 and then later you you might have paid the same amount that you would have bought a Model S for. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's a, there's risk, but there's a lot of Bitcoin millionaires and even mm-hmm. billionaires from what I understand out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense to make it available to them. May I? Add to your point there about yeah, uh, the risk involved, and that's a really great point. Um, but I also I think of it this way: as uh, for example, this past summer, my you know my circumstances and living in Tucson, and uh, I was drain basically draining the rest of what was left in my IRA, right? But had I left that money in the IRA, that you know, like obviously the money would have grown Mm -hmm. and so it's it's a similar concept you know like if you buy that much in bitcoin well if you the cash that you have at that time always has the potential to be worth more or less but you know more in the future a year from now or whatever obviously bitcoin jumps very it's very volatile so um it it I feel like it just goes along the same lines of if I were to take out money from my IRA to buy a Tesla in cash, I will have taken out that much money from my IRA to buy, you know, to pay cash. So I've just converted it over to what it is worth at the time. And that is a very good point. Um, And that kind of touches on the other thing is that uh, because you it does you're absolutely right. It does go up and it does go down. It mm-hmm. could be that at some point in time that that Tesla money, that that money, the Bitcoin that Tesla got is worth $30,000 mm-hmm. a Bitcoin rather than. So there's a risk all around. It's not just risk right. for the consumer. There's risk for Tesla and anybody else that accepts Bitcoin. Um, one of the things that because we were listening to a, a clubhouse a little bit before the show started. One of the things that I wrote down is you can't play your suppliers in Bitcoin. There's not going to there's not going to be a, a tire company out there that's going to sell Tesla tires and allow Tesla to pay them a Bitcoin yet. Yeah, but here's why I think Tesla is mm-hmm. doing it though. It is in their best interest to hold on to it because if 
because on the blockchain you can see like you may not know mm-hmm. who exactly purchased something but tesla announced we purchased one billion dollars in yeah, bitcoin 1. 6, yeah 1.5 like yeah so because they announced that they can go back on the blockchain because it's a ledger and they can see where that purchase was made so they can kind of identify where tesla was mm-hmm. and and who you know they can identify who tesla was in that transaction right mm-hmm. and how much or of a percentage roughly. that is of the total amount of bitcoin right. in circulation it, right but if Tesla sells that Bitcoin or a mm-hmm. portion of that Bitcoin that they receive from these orders, which I don't think are going to be very many, mm-hmm. that's going to make the price of Bitcoin fall. So it's not in Tesla's best interest, at least at this point, to get rid of that because it'll be seen as lack of confidence in Bitcoin and their investment of a billion dollars mm-hmm. could potentially be worth far less because the market will see that as a big company that had confidence in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm dropping out and now no longer having confidence, which could not tank Bitcoin because it's got other uh, things around it. So that one, it's got Mm -hmm. built in safety measures so that one individual or one group holding a lot of Bitcoin can't tank it per se. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, um, you know, Tesla doesn't, I'm sure they don't want to hurt their investment and by selling it off, I think they'd hurt their investment. I could see this all being a part of the simulation. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, and, and not, I mean, maybe not serious about the simulation, but I mean, Elon and his memes. And you see the Techno King meme? Yeah. And he he posts things on his profile and it's like they're, they're little hints and clues to, you know, what may be to come. Uh, he did the Bitcoin one, but then he had to remove it. And then Dogecoin, obviously, he's pushing. And I don't know. I could. He's got so much up his sleeves that I feel. Do we know who created Bitcoin yet? Is it still no, not exactly right? Um, is it? Um, it's a Japanese name, uh, the pseudonym, but I don't, I'm not going to try and pronounce it or say it because I would get it wrong. But yeah, Uh, we don't, at one point in time, one news outlet thought they, they found him and they hounded this poor guy and it turns out it wasn't him. Oh, it's like Takoshi Nakamura or something like that. Um, but in any case, like whoever created it was pretty smart. Yeah. Um, in terms of creating something that people thought was a joke, but is now being taken quite serious. Yeah. Much like how Dogecoin is. It started as a joke. (laughs) Yeah. Dogecoin has infinitely more. I don't know if Dogecoin, you can unlimitedly mine them or if it's just got infinitely more coins to mind, to mine. mine. What about since its value is so low? And I think that's why is because you Mm -hmm. either you can infinitely or it's like in the billions you can. And like, it's only like, there's only like 200 and something million that you could possibly own mine in Bitcoin. And it's significantly more than that than Doge if it has a capital, hmm. which is why it's not worth it quite as much. Hmm. But if you got in when it was a fraction of a penny and now it's yeah, at five well, cents. Coulda, woulda, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Would you like if a client, came to you and like, Hey, we're going to do a three day photo shoot. Would you accept Bitcoin? Oh yeah. I have it on, I have it as a link on my, um, YouTube videos. My, oh, really? my link to my Bitcoin, however it works, it's encrypted and all that stuff. It says donate BTC. And there's this long, you know, X, Y, blah, 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 blah. And I actually, during my stream last night, I, my oil, change stream i received like 27 dollars worth of bitcoin i saw it oh, come nice. through yeah uh i would absolutely accept it i i think the thing that's so exciting for me or what interests me the most about it is it's it's different and it's it's a change and it's you know it's gonna it shakes people up and i just feel that it's that's the world needs a shakeup. 
I mean, it had, you know, the pandemic and, and all of that, but I feel like it's been a really good. <laughs> I was just going to say. It's been a really good. I mean, obviously the lives lost, all of that stuff has been not, that's not good stuff. However, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it's, it's kind of done. It's, um, it's forced us as humans to take a step back and kind of see the bigger picture. You know, you're, people were forced to stay home with their, their families for the first mm-hmm. time ever, you know, homeschool their children, not be able to go out. It's kind of like, I think created a societal reset. It's like we hit the reset button because, you know, I don't know. That's just a grand, a grand scheme of things. Like, I just think it's right now, there's a lot of things that are changing and evolving and the starship evolution and all of that. For me, somebody whom, you know, maybe I hope to have a family one day and have, you know, kids and be able to know that there is a future for them and Mm -hmm. that they, I, I find, I find, um, peace in knowing that there are people disrupting things right now in order to make change and create things. Like Elon said, if if you don't make things, there won't be things, <laughs> you know, yeah. that will benefit future generations. So I guess this is just very exciting that it's something new and different. And I just, I think it's exciting. Whether or not I think it's a good thing, I have no idea, but I just like the idea of, of something different. Yeah. And I think Tesla is in a, based on how they've been run for pretty much the entire time they've been a company, mm-hmm. they're probably in the best position to take Bitcoin out of any other auto manufacturer out there, startup or otherwise legacy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Are you, do you, are you ready to get into the Lordstone thing? I don't want to yeah, let's do it. push past something, but. No, that was a good little segment right there. I like that. Yeah. Just a, a, a hint to all the people listening. I'm, I'm not cutting Jessica off. We literally only have about uh, 33 more minutes of the stream before they cut me off because I've only paid for two hours. All right. Uh, behind the scenes stuff that nobody cares about. Lordstown Motors. Uh, Hindenburg Research did a takedown of Lordstown Motors, and they did something similar to Nikola Motors. Although, if, I mean, uh, looking from the outside, it looked like there was probably a little bit more legitimacy to the Nikola stuff than there is to this Hindenburg article, and we'll kind of get into that. Uh, before we get too far, Hindenburg Research is, by their own admission, a short seller, and they and they are short selling Lordstown, and they have a little disclaimer in their um, article that says initial disclosure. After extensive research, research, okay. we have taken a short position in the shares of Lordstown Motors. This report represents our opinion. We are encouraging every reader to their own due diligence. Please see our full disclaimer at the bottom of the report, which I'm not going to read. So I'm going to give you my disclaimer. I own about 15 shares of Lordstown. I bought them when the price dropped, and uh, the price has continued to drop, so I've lost money on it. But that in no way changes my opinion about the company or the people that work for the company or this uh, research that Hindenburg did. Do you have any disclaimers, Jessica? I do not. Okay. I don't have, I don't own any, right. any, uh, Lordstown or anything other than this is not financial advice. Please do your own research. We are not certified professional accountants or not accountants, financial advisors. Yeah. Not. I'm not even close. Yeah. So, uh, you can't sue us. We've said it. <laughs> I will say that, um, Jessica and I, we had a phone call before we recorded and we just want to make sure that everybody's aware that we are talking about this article from Hindenburg and we will express some things that are opinions, but in the most case, and we'll let you know that there are our opinions and not fact, but, and I've done, um, I've gone a little bit further than this article to research some of the claims that Lordstown or that Hindenburg makes about, about Lordstown, but we are going to try to present this in as fair a way as possible for both Hindenburg and Lordstown. Cause I do think Hindenburg makes some good points. I do also think Hindenburg doesn't tell the full story on some of these things. So now that we've done that. Strategically, maybe doesn't tell the whole 
you know the full story right yes and there were some things that i was like well that's a that's a charged word you're using there for no reason <laughs> but moving on uh lordstown was for, founded in 2019 so barely two years ago. They merged with a special acquisition company in October 2020 so they can go public. And I'm always suspicious when companies do that, even though Lucid Motors has done it and a lot of other companies, it just seems like they're cutting in line to or cutting corners to go public. Um, however, they do it a lot. So companies do it a lot. But uh, Lords took over the GM, Lordstown took over the GM plant in Lordstown, Ohio. GM gave them a $40 million loan. Um, GM has a board member or a member of GM on the Lordstown board. So there's uh, not just uh, people picked by the founders of GM to be on the board or founders of Lordstown to be on the board. There's, there's more outside interests on the board to make sure that their loan gets paid back and that kind of thing. And then Lordstown biggest thing is they're marketing to fleets. They're not marketing to so much to individuals. Although if I'm sure if you're an individual, you could buy a, the truck. They really want to get this out to companies that operate fleets. Steve Burns is the founder and CEO of Lordstown. At one time, point in time, he was the CEO of Workhorse Motors. And we're going to talk about that more in a little bit. The Endurance is the pickup truck that Lordstown's trying to sell. It's based on the Workhorse W15, which was ultimately canceled by Workhorse, I think, in 2018. It was supposed to come out in 2018. It did not. So Lordstown uh, licensed this technology. According to Hindenburg, it came with 10 patents, 6,000 pre-orders, and only had two reference vehicles. So that's that's what we know those are kind of like the the basis for what we're about to go into, which is what Hindenburg uses as claims, what they're claiming. It's basically five things. We're going to go through each of those things. All right. That was a lot to say. You got anything, Jess? I think that you said it well. Yeah, stuttered through it. First thing we're going to talk about, and this is going to go quick, Lordstown has no revenue or sellable product which I think is a ridiculous thing to say because they mention it several times in the article that they have no sellable product, but they've only been a company for two years. They have been working or building off of the work that Workhorse did with the W15. And the W15 was in development prior to 2016. I don't know exactly when they started development, but the oldest article I could find about it was December 2016. And, you know, Lordstown purchased or licensed or whatever they did that program from Workhorse. So to be fair to them, um, it's really hard to build a vehicle. And I think this is kind of my personal feeling, unfair criticism toward the company at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Here's where we go down the misleading investors on demand. And I have strong opinions on this. But this is our second thing. Lordstown, uh, according to Hindenburg, Lordstown misled investors on demand and their 100,000 pre-orders are largely fictitious and they were used to raise capital. And before we even start with what they're accusing, a lot of companies do this. I'm not saying it's right. Um, I'm just saying this is not an unusual thing. They could probably, Lords, uh, Hindenburg can probably do a takedown of any number of companies if they wanted to and use the same thing. Like these companies are trying to get investors to invest in them, either they're residential or not residential. What's it called? Residential investors. Non, um, I know what you mean. Like individual yeah. investors as opposed to uh, commercial. Corporate, yeah. Uh, commercial. Yeah. Um, I just had a stroke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, so, Right, right out of the gate. I also, this is some of that charged um, uh, using using words to to make their point in their headlines, so you don't have to read their the rest of the article. So they're saying they're false orders, um, and that these false orders came from companies that don't op operate fleets. 
So E Squared Energy is a company based out of a small apartment in Texas, uh, which rents for about $1,500 a month, right around there. They ordered 14,000 trucks, estimated to be worth $735 billion. It doesn't seem that E Squared operates a fleet. E Squared says they are setting up a program that is kind of like a lease, but not a lease for other companies who operate fleets. And to me, this seems mm, sketchy, but it doesn't mean it's not. What's that? Can I add to this? Yes, please. Uh, Yes, it does seem sketchy, especially since it's operating out of a small apartment in Texas for $1,500 a month. Um, And I only am coming at it from a perspective of, have you heard of Atlas Motor Vehicles? Um, I know Mark. I actually have his phone number in my cell phone. Ah, you know then. Okay, so... um, before they moved into the warehouse, which they moved in the like less than 24 hours before their battery day, mm-hmm. actually went down there and I filmed the whole battery day before pandemic last year. Uh, they were operating out of his garage and they are just a, you know, they're a very basic startup. Um, not basic. They're a no, they're startup early on. in its early stages. Thank you. Yeah. Still, they're right now going through the funding processes of trying to get their skateboard technology um like modular skateboard technology but when i think about that yes if i hear that it sounds sketchy and then i think about mark and um the vision of atlas and where they want to go with um commercial fleet and stuff like that it makes it i have to just think about it from both perspectives just a just a thought no and that's a really good example that um at some point in time i I referenced them back to Atlas because it's very similar time-wise, although Atlas has been a company for more time uh, than than Lordstown has. But uh, yeah, at some point, Mark was going to come on the show and then things kind of just fell apart and then COVID hit. Um, I do need to send him another invite to do that because he's a very nice guy and I don't mm-hmm. know that he would be giving out his, his personal phone number at this stage no. of their... Um, He's a Midwesterner. Business. He's a, he's a Midwest. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah. But Hanchet is his last name, I think. Yes. But yeah, that's a valid point. Like, um, right now I'm in the basement of my house. Jessica's in her bedroom. And, you know, we both technically have businesses. Um, we're not buying $735 million. Well, I mean, I'm going to give you, you have a business. I technically have a business. So you I don't make any money. I have a business that's that's losing money every year, but that's okay because I not for growing. Yes, but that's the the point is people can can do a lot of things, especially when you look at what's happened with COVID. Out of the, their their fifteen hundred square foot apartment, it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't in fact operating a legitimate business, but it does seem like Mm. maybe that is sketchy. Yeah. So the other one was a a thousand pre-orders from a two-person operation, and they describe their relationship with Lordstown as marketing. And then Clean Fuels Ohio ordered 500, and they said, in reality, this was an agreement to encourage others to purchase endurance vehicles or the endurance kind of like also like a marketing type relationship. And then the other thing is pre-orders aren't binding. If you pre-order a vehicle and you even give them money, you can get your money back. I can go right now to Tesla and get my hundred dollars back for my Cybertruck reservation. It's not binding. No, no, I don't think any pre-order is binding. However, not collecting payment is where I see an issue with that. It's there's something about even if it's just a hundred dollars, even if it's seventy dollars, like at Terra, you can reserve for a hundred dollars, but then if you use somebody's referral code, it's seventy dollars. Having to reach in your pocket and get some kind of money and put it in their hands, I feel like, yeah, you can you can get it back, you can get a refund, but that I can't. I understand that they said there was a contract, like some kind of, I forget what the L, something of promise, some kind of like promissory note yes, or whatever. A letter of, I think it was a letter of intent, intent. is what they said it was. That's right. 
But in my opinion, if you have a letter of intent, but no actual funding or deposits, and I don't, I don't know the funding backstory behind Lordstown. So, um, I'm just speaking from, I'm just speaking from what I know right now. And that seems like, okay, so if you're going to produce a bunch of vehicles for a fleet and this person backs out and that you have no money of theirs. Yeah, I think it's a, and we're going to talk about an example of this that I have uh, in the next section, I think. But I do think, I agree with you, it is like you're willing to put your money where your mouth is effectively, even if it's $50 per order, a thousand orders or 14,000 orders, that's a significant amount of money where you're, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I'm I'm giving you money up front to show you that we're doing this in good faith. Because technically, not even like Tesla can't count any of the pre-orders as sales, and they can't touch that. They're not allowed to touch that money until they okay. actually convert it into a sell. Which makes sense, yeah, because they wouldn't want to see it as revenue if it's going to be refunded eventually, and you know, possibly refunded in the, in the future. It's just a, a hold, a, a reservation, a queue in the line kind of thing. And it could be damaging to the company if they, like with the Model 3, if they had taken that money and they put it into, you know, continuing to build the process early on for the Model 3. And then everybody's like, oh, yeah, this car is not good. So they cancel it. Then they got to refund everybody's money back, which is substantial because I think it was $2,000 when the Model 3 first was taken pre-orders or 1000 But it would have it been a lot of money. So... Um, it wouldn't have been anything for Lordstown to say, we're going to take a $100 deposit. Most companies are, are good with that. And you can probably negotiate something where if you're going to have a $735 million order, maybe they just take a $50,000 deposit or whatever. So that is a good point. Uh, we went over this. Letters of intent are not pre-orders. Um, okay, so this is what... Uh, the firm, the two-person firm, told Hindenburg they had a 500 truck pre-orders. Oh no, this was Clean Fuels Ohio. They told them this. The letters of interest are non-binding. It's not like you obligate yourself to a pre-order or that you would contractually bind yourself to buying this truck. That's not what they are. They are non-binding letters of intent. They require zero as a reservation payment. They do not require an actual purchase. They are, let's see, are from customers that do not generally operate fleets. They are from customers who do not have the means to make the purchases, according to Hindenburg, and they include clauses encouraging a press release to announce the deal. So based on that, um, Lordstown is just basically using this to generate buzz. Kind of sounds similar to Nicola. Very much like the Nicola Badger. Now, and we talked about this in our pre-call for the show. I don't know how common this is. This might be a common thing for companies like this to do. I have no idea. An established company, maybe? Like you said, you know, we were talking Ford. If, you know, Ford is coming up with a new, I don't know, camper van or whatever. Uh, that's going to be used, or not a camper van, a utility van. And, you know, they have a client that wants, I don't know, 10,000 of these vans. Then maybe they, it's an existing client. They know that they're going to get paid or that the client's going to yeah. come through. As such a new company, for some reason, it makes me think that if they don't require any reservation money, which going back to Mark Hanchett and Atlas, they don't require any money up front. Like they are not asking for any money until they actually have a product or something too, which can be, you know, so that's from a different perspective. But this is a brand new company or two years old, two year old company. So I feel like that that's kind of telling me that they don't believe in the product kind of thing and that if it fails it fails yeah it more so is it tells it tells me that they're underfunded and that in order to become 
in order to get more money, they're trying to generate more buzz, even if it's a legitimate buzz. And then when they create this buzz, they're hoping that investors, retail investors, that's what I was trying to think of, will invest in the SPAC or their, their stock. But also big investors will come in and invest the company and keep them afloat while they're building this product. I don't think that the people that work at C, uh, the people who work at Lordstown or the people who work at Nikola, for that matter, are not trying to actually build a product. Um, in the case of Nikola, it turns out, you know, there was a there was a cloud around Trevor Milton. Whether it's true or not true, there was a lot that that guy uh, kind of had built around him that that was negative, and the company was, you know, he resigned. The company's moving on, and hopefully they'll do good things. Because I, I really think there's they, you hire an engineer because the engineer is going to fix a problem for you. The engineer is not going to be like, eh. I mean, if it fails, it fails. So I do think that they're working. This is this comes from leadership, no doubt, right? And with Nicola, it's it's a little different because Trevor T. Millie T. Dog, he was. Um, making up claim false. He was saying false things, things that they had done, things that they had achieved, things that they, you know, did that was better than anybody else. He was making statements that were just false. And maybe they were goals of what they wanted to achieve, but they were not past tense. Yeah. And that's what was so confusing when he would say, we're better than Tesla. We've got the best. And it's like, well, do you? And it was just like consistent, like statement after statement. It was it was as if he was in you know like living as another life or something and looking back on everything that he did in a past life. But it just didn't. So um, people, people, you know, bought into that. Obviously, no, I I think you're right, and I think you can draw a lot of parallels for where this Hindenburg article puts Steve Burns, who's the CEO of Lordstown and some of the things that Trevor Milton had said publicly. Um, so according to former employees of Burns, like senior staff, he was a fantastic marketer. He just wasn't, I mean, he was great at putting the vision out there. He wasn't mm -hmm. good at executing it. So I will put out uh, like the endurance announcement when they did their big show off, they didn't show, they hardly gave any information about the truck. I, I was very impressed with the truck, by the way, but they hardly gave any information about the truck. They didn't show the interior of the truck at all. And then it was like, there was like a substantial amount of the presentation that was given to then vice president, Mike Pence. And it was basically the whole thing with Pence. It was basically a campaign stump speech for the whole rest of the, the show. And it's not uncommon for companies to like suck up to whatever administrations in power at the time. That's, not uncommon. What is uncommon is when you're unveiling your product to allow them to do that for that much time is a little um, weird. And I mentioned that at the time. And it doesn't matter. It's weird if you're Democrat or a president, a Republican president in office. It, it really doesn't matter. Like having given them that much time to do their stump speech, usually it's like two or three minutes of buy American, American workers, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. And then they move on. And whether or not the, the team at Lordstown knew that was going to happen, I feel like they maybe should have. But uh, whether they right. knew it was going to happen, it was just kind of like a weird thing to do during the announcement of your truck because you just overshadowed your truck. They didn't put it at the beginning. They put it at the very end. And I was like, that's just a weird, really weird way to do that. And it was off-putting. And it would have been off-putting whether everything was 100% agreed with my politics and or not. It was just like the whole thing was just weird. Yeah. And it's interesting that they would have brought in the vice president for a presentation like that. Like, it's as if they were trying to just draw, like, oh, Mike Pence is going to be there. We should watch that. Like, they were using him as, like, a endorsement, um, or not an endorsement, but, like, a to get more eyes, I guess, on the presentation. But I don't know. That's an interesting tactic. Yeah, and Lordstown was a big thing with President Trump um, because they, they were closing factories during the time that he was trying to get people to open factories. And GM had closed it down because of a lot. Of, they closed down like seven factories across North America, including Canada. So at the time, it was a very um, hot button issue for the Trump presidency. Um, 
And so I think it 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 did make sense for having a representative from the Trump administration there. It, the just the the stump speech didn't make any sense at all to me, but it did make sense to have somebody there because that was important to that administration. Moving on. Moving on. Steve Burns is accused of having questionable business questionable business practices. Um, he, it, according to the report, he was pushed out of workhorse for wasting R and D money and, and missing deadlines. But despite being moved, removed as CEO, he stayed on to consult with Workhorse's drone program. Um, some of the things that I I personally found concerning is using words like very serious orders. This is from Steve Burns. Or we have whole year, we have our whole year or first year of production already pre-sold. Pre-sold means that you've actually collected money in my mind. It does seem a little... Uh, Hindenburg alleges uh, Burns paid consultants for every pre-order uh, dating back to when he was CEO at Workhorse. Again, we don't know if that's normal, but they were paid $30 for every pre-order up to 10000 which is a lot of money, $300,000. And then if anybody took that um, and converted that into a sale, these companies would get a 0.14% commission on every vehicle sold. So it... According to Hindenburg, he continued this practice all the way up into Lordstown. Do you have anything else on that one? Nope. Not, not yeah. I, I pretty much agree. The company is accused of inflating pre-orders. Companies that would normally buy five or six vehicles were, they were counted as like 10 or 15 vehicles. So there's a couple of instances where they, Hindenburg, Hindenburg talked to companies and they're like, yeah, we didn't pre-order that many. We wouldn't normally do that many in three years. So um, there's that kind of thing that was in there. I was unable to verify whether that stuff is true because I didn't talk to those people. And another thing that I think is shady, but it's not necessarily Steve Burns did not participate in this. Um, but I do think this is shady is when they went public in uh, October 2020, some executives sold off a close to or right around $28 million of stock from Lordstown. And I understand that if you're an executive of a publicly traded company, you have you have times when you're allowed to sell sell um so maybe that was already pre-scheduled but it's just a weird thing you go public and then all of a sudden you're dumping 28 million dollars so it was like three or four executives did that steve burns was not a part of that all right we are running out of time <laughs> um <laughs> let's go here we have they have production concerns i'm just going to burn through this one real quick yeah um, cool. they had with these Production concerns, uh, one of the things is that they only have about 10 prototypes built for the endurance. And some employees are saying they're not going to be ready for three to four more years. Lordstown invested in or licensed a hub technology, hub motor, so the motor's in the wheel hub instead of in the middle of the car from a Slovenian company that was almost bankrupt before they did this. That doesn't mean that the product was bad or that Lordstown made a bad decision uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, to be fair, uh, Tesla was almost bankrupt before they, you know, got that final right amount, and then were able to push forward. And it's entirely possible that the engineers saw something in this because the reason why they invested or licensed this technology because it was cheap, and normally it would cost half a billion dollars to implement this technology. Maybe it was that they were able to get a really good deal because the company was under some financial straits. And then they have engineers that were able to work with this company to make the product better. I mean, that's that's an entirely possible solution out there. It doesn't mean that they were just trying to go on the cheap. So, Good point. Yeah, good point. Another thing that I did find concerning was that the endurance has not completed the necessary validation required by the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. So that's problematic for them because it takes time they to pass all those goals before they can, or those milestones before they can actually sell the vehicle. And then we're going to talk about uh, their first road test in the endurance. Ten minutes into it, it 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 created a fire and the prototype burned down. Wah, so, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's very unfortunate. But cars catch on fire all the time, uh, even cars that have been validated. So it's not the yeah. end of the world. But Hindenburg used words like spontaneously burst into flames or 
fully engulfed and spontaneously burst into flames. And on its own accord, this car just burst into flames. It's not on its own accord. Something caused the fire. So it didn't, and it fully engulfed all, all car fires, if not put out in a timely manner, are fully engulfed. All <laughs> fires that are not put out in a timely manner are fully engulfed. So these are charged words that, as a firefighter, I'm like, hmm. I, I don't believe in you're adding saying. some descriptive details. That's the yeah. marketing and um, clickbait for it. Yeah. So based on that, I read the police report and I didn't see anything that stood out as fishy. I mean, it's just like an unfortunate occurrence that happened. But they did announce that right after this fire that they're going to be building beta trucks in February, which seems like a very quick timeline. Um, and then there's some legal trouble where they licensed or had to deal a license and infotainment system. And then they decided they could do it cheaper. They leaked a, an email that said we could do it cheaper. They accidentally sent it to a former employee of that company that they poached. And now there's a, there's some legal trouble with that. Um, I'm not going to go too much into that, but poaching employees isn't a thing. Like if you offer your employees a good uh, value for you know, working at your company, they're not going to want to go other places. So poaching kind of irritates me because it means that the company that you work for owns you and you're not allowed to go work for anybody else. However, stealing or the design or the technology by taking all of these employees that work for Camera Automotive, that on the other side is fishy <laughs> and illegal yeah. to do. So don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Bad business practices. So ultimately, I do think there's some valid points in this. I do think there's some things that if you left up to your conspiracy imagination, you could you could draw comparisons to really bad things. But ultimately, I think Hindenburg basically did this to make a ton of money by shorting the stock. I'm not saying they're not true. I'm not saying Lordstown doesn't have problems because um, their CEO does seem a little smarmy to me. But having said that, I only have you know a few articles to actually go off of to judge who he is as a person. So he might just be a really nice guy and I might be completely smearing his name in the mud. I feel you're being fair. You're being very fair with your analysis. I'm trying because I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody sets out to tell lies. I like to think that too. And, but with uh, Trevor Milton, I learned that that's not necessarily the case for everybody, but he's a very, Yes. You know, very unique individual. Yes, we can have a whole show on him. But as it is now, Jessica, because we only have a few minutes left, can you tell everybody where to find you? Sure. I am on YouTube. Uh, that is where you will find me. I live stream very often. My URL is youtube.com slash Jessica Kirsch. I go live very often. So, Make sure you go over there and subscribe and hit the notification bell, the ding ding bell, so that you can be notified when I do go live and jump in the streams. I'm also on Twitter at Jessica underscore Kirsch, Kirsch spelled K-I-R-S-H. Perfect. And all that stuff is also in the show notes, just in case folks forget. Thank you very much, Jessica, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Bodie. It's always a pleasure. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening and have a great day. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the discussion that Jessica and I have. We're trying to do more of this stuff. We're trying to get better. It is not easy to do a one-person podcast, but when you've been doing it for so long, like I have, when you add a different person, it adds a different dynamic, and it becomes a little bit more difficult for each person simply because Jessica and I haven't worked together all that much, so we spend a lot of time kind of preparing for each show, and hopefully that shows we're going to get better as time goes on. And honestly, I am just so thrilled that she is a part of this show. She has agreed to come on monthly, but she can honestly, as far as I'm concerned, come on at any time that she would like. Before I let you go, I do have a couple other pieces of news. One that I, I'm not really sure how this is going to look in terms of production-wise, but Elon said that the uh, Cybertruck will not have a door handle, so no handles. Uh, I have concerns about that that I'm not going to bring up here, but that's kind of interesting. 
And then last night or yesterday afternoon, I guess I was picking up my kids from school and I noticed that somebody had tweeted something about the standard range Model Y. And I wasn't really paying attention. So I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, basically, they this person had ordered a standard range Model Y, the $39,000 model, and waited six weeks for delivery and has heard nothing back. And I just kind of said, because I wasn't really paying attention and I should have read the 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 tweet better, but I said, you know, you can order this off menu. And he said, no, I already ordered it. Test The Tesla sales team contacted him and they said that they're no longer going to honor that $39,000 Model Y. And they were trying to upsell him on a long range dual motor Model Y. And then I was like, well... That seems weird, right? Maybe it's just some sort of rogue Tesla employee trying to bump up their commission or something. So I called Tesla's sales team, waited on hold for a little bit, talked to somebody, and I said, hey, um, where's the standard range Model Y? And the lady told me very nicely. She said, oh, no, we discontinued that in at the end of last month. And I said, well, what if somebody had already ordered one? And she's like, well, they can go into the design section in their Tesla account and set up an order for the long range. And I didn't, I didn't have the heart to tell this lady, like, what if you can't afford the long range? And if you've already put down a pre-order, that's kind of like a contract. (laughs) Why wouldn't you, why, why, why wouldn't you honor that? Like, I don't know how many people bought the standard range plus model Ys, Um, I'm going to guess it probably wasn't that many since they are discontinuing it. But on the other side, if it's not that many, keep a happy customer, even if you lose a little bit of money, which I don't think Tesla is doing. But this kind of thing leaves a really bad taste in in my mouth. And I'm sure the person who's going through this, it's very frustrating and disheartening to them. This is honestly, this, this makes me really, really angry. Like this should not happen. If you have a pre-order and if you didn't pre-order and and you missed out on your window, then all right, I get it. You didn't pre-order. But if you had a pre-order and Tesla knows exactly how many cars they need to build. And for them to do this, it, it is is honestly is dishonest and it is distasteful and they should be ashamed of themselves. Like, again, if if you're only going to take pre-orders for a, for a month for this car. And then you're going to stop. You need to honor every single one of those pre-orders, period, full stop, no more discussion. To, for Tesla to do this uh, to this person, and I'm sure other people, not a good look, especially when there are plenty of people out there who have negative things to say about your company. Just because you have diehard fans does not mean you can't turn them against you. And this is the kind of thing that's going to turn people against Tesla if they continue doing stuff like this. It's it's absolutely asinine. There's no excuse for it. And as you can tell, I'm very upset. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to simmer down and I am going to ask you to go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and support the kilowatt for $1. You can support this show. And that's all I ask. All the money goes back into the show. None of the money goes into my pocket. Honestly, I'm just trying to make the show better, and I'm making it better with your help and your assistance. So thank you very much to all the patrons who are supporting the show, and thank you to everybody who actually listens to this show because you don't have to. There's no reason for you to listen to this show other than the fact that you may get some enjoyment out of it, or you're a sadomasochist, and in which case you're still getting joy out of the show. So thank you very much for listening. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Remember, email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E, at 918digital.com to get some Amazon gift cards. Let's see. What else? What else? What else? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening. Next week's show is a regular show. So looking forward to that. Have a great week, everyone.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.